recorded live. Time for another episode of Radio J-Dub, the audio incarnation of the most interesting independent sports blog out there on the web. Uh, you can find us, dubsism.wordpress.com. Uh, you can find us uh, Twitter, at Dubsism. We're at Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, uh, the Dubsism Sports Warp. Uh, just Google us, Dubsism, D-U-B-S-I-S-M. We are a first page result on Google. Uh, we didn't put up a podcast last week. Um, we had some technical issues. Uh, I know I got a lot of people who were telling me that our last episode of Radio J-Dub did not show up in their RSS feeds, their podcast apps, however they're, they're um, subscribing. Um, if you ever have problems like that, you can always go to our uh, our blog, and you can go right to the website that hosts the recordings, you'll have to download them manually if they don't show up automatically in your RSS feed. But I know that's a pain in the ass, but you know, you can always go to you know www.talkshoe.com, T-A-L-K-S-H-O-E. It's one word. If you're an amateur podcaster like us, this is a great site to use to host your recordings because they're the ones who really helped me figure out what our problem was in terms of syndication. And long story short, the people at iTunes are jerks, um, but unfortunately they have a lot to do that controls the syndication world, blah, blah, blah. So you know, we really try to, to make these podcasts come out as regularly as we can, uh, and we had some technical issues, apologize for that. Everything seems to be fixed now, so hopefully going forward we can continue to keep our six or seven uh, listeners uh, regularly entertained. All right, having said all that, uh, today today we got to talk about a couple of things. It's a big weekend in sports. I mean, we've got we've got the uh, PGA Championship going on. Uh, it looks like Tiger Woods is once again not going to make the cut. We have uh, we have the English Premier League going on. We have the start of the Bundesliga in Germany. Uh, start of the Italian league for all of you world football fans. Um, one of the things that we're going to talk about, there's a reason why I mentioned golf and soccer, and it, 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 both of those sports today, and also, you know, let's not forget, we have the NFL preseason getting underway, and, and all three of those things are going to have stories that we're going to talk about today, and stories that need to just stop being talked about. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world of sports, and... Most of these stories that, that we're going to bring up today, are you know, the reason why we're bringing them up is that they jumped the shark a long time ago, and uh, in a little bit we'll, we'll explore that phrase, but um, you know, the two things that got me going on this, this this morning were, you know, Tiger Woods is going to miss the cut at a PGA tournament yet again, and we're going to have this narrative about Tiger Woods is over, he's done, whatever, 
Well, that's fine, but you know what? It's really time to get over Tiger Woods because you're, the time you're spending focusing on him means we're not talking about the young rising stars that are the guys that could take your take his place and be the guys that make golf continue to be popular in this country. The more time you spend on Tiger Woods, the less that's going to happen. And the second story is I'm reading or I'm watching on the Worldwide Bottom Feeder about how Michael Sam, you remember him, is now leaving the CFL because of quote-unquote personal reasons. And the highlight reel that they show of him playing in the CFL shows me a guy that's just really not a good football player. All of the other stuff you want to talk about, about his sexuality and all these other things where we tried to make a story, bottom line is the guy can't play professional football. Well, but he was was the defensive player of the year at the SEC. Well, so what? The smartest kid in school isn't always the one who's successful. So why am I telling you all this? I'm telling you all this because these are two stories that both need to go away. Tiger Woods is, okay, stop talking about him. Stop talking about Michael Sam. And to that end, um, when I mentioned soccer, um, I've got Jason from Indiana back on the podcast today, and that's seeming to be a, a, a regular regular occurrence, because am I correct in the assumption that you're always on our podcast because you have no life, Jason? Yeah, that's pretty much, that's pretty much accurate, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, one of the things one of the things that we're going to talk about is, you know, when we talked about the world, you know, the, the soccer leagues all getting started. Uh, Jason and I, um, Jason wanted to come on the podcast today. We're going to spend about the next four hours just getting deep into the world of international soccer. So uh, at this point, Jason, I'm going to turn it over to you. Oh wow, this is going to be a short one then, because uh, <laughs> <laughs> apparently I've called the wrong podcast. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, that that happens. Now, in, in all honesty, I only mention soccer because later in the show, we're going to we're going to talk about something in soccer that needs to go away that I think most most Americans would actually agree with. But again, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about stories in sports that, you know, quote unquote jump the shark. And I mentioned that because I Jason, you use that phrase a lot when we have conversations, and I never understood where it came from. And then I'm watching Me TV the other day, and I see the episode of Happy Days where Fonzie actually jumps a shark. He's trying to like be some sort of water skiing stunt man, and he jumps the shark. And I go Google this, and it turns out that that that's where the term comes from because apparently that show nobody took it seriously after that because the idea of Fonzie jumping a shark was so incredibly stupid that nobody watched the show anymore. Is, is that correct? That is correct. That's where it came from, and uh, he's actually embraced that. Henry Winkler, I've seen him talk about that on talk shows and stuff before too. But yeah, that has come to be the term used for anything when you, it's just outlived its usefulness. But it's no longer relevant. And and, yeah, there's the term, outlived its usefulness. Um, Like I said in the open, you know, I'm tired of this Tiger Woods story. I'm tired of this Michael Sam story. Um, And, you know, we're, you know, we're we're 10 minutes into this podcast already. And, you know, I've I've already, you know, said a couple things that, that I think need to go away. Why don't you, why don't you tell me something in Jason's world that, that's outlived its usefulness? Okay, well, when we broached this topic, the first thing that popped in my head, as a lifelong Cubs fan, as we've stated on past podcasts, 
is the guest conductor singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game at the seventh inning stretch <laughs> at Brickley Field. Okay? Okay. I remember this is supposed to be a tribute to Harry Carey, okay? Yep. Um, I remember 1998 and Harry Carey passed away, and the first home game that year they had his widow do it, which was nice. And then, I don't know, somebody got the bright idea to, to start trotting all these people out to do it. And maybe even for that first year it was kind of cool. But it's been a long, long time since 1998. And it just seems like at this point they're most times scraping the bottom of the barrel trying to find somebody to do it. And they, I mean, you really, some of them, you have to really connect some pretty far out dots to get any kind of a Chicago connection out of them. But you realize that if we get rid of that, then I'm I'm never going to see, you know, a pissed drunk Mike Ditka singing it again. I I know, and, and that's the one, that and, and the Ozzy Osbourne, that's the one that people will... Shame on! Yeah. Yeah. That's, those are the ones that people will point to to you know say hey this is still cool but those are outliers. I'll get Osborne's never going to do that again. I mean, uh, you know, to me, you know, Harry was Harry was a special guy because not anybody could go from the Cardinals where he spent the majority of his career as a younger man. And then yeah. there there was a year off there, I think, where he went to Oakland, but then to the White Sox, and then to the Cubs. You know, that's those are three things that don't mix. And somehow he transcended all of the rivalry and all that stuff, and he was, you know, probably more beloved as the Cubs announcer than the other two. Oh, absolutely. Um, Not to mention it was amazing that he got another job in baseball considering why he got run out of St. Louis. You know that story, don't you? I've heard the rumors about him and Augie Bush's wife or something. Uh, yeah, they weren't rumors, uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> which was, you know, I always thought was pretty impressive because it's not like Harry Carey was, uh, was you know, a handsome figure. He, you know, he was a goofy-looking regular guy like us, you know. Sure. And, uh, you know, you know that uh, Augie, Augie Bush had some money. You know, I'm sure he wasn't married to some landslide of a woman either. So, uh, you know. More more reasons to tip tip your hat to Harry. Um, I I agree with you that that thing is lived its lived its life. And you know here's something here's something else that you know as a guy you said you were a lifelong Cubs fan. You know I'm a I'm a West Coast guy originally, and every time I hear somebody talking about well we're gonna we're gonna get an NFL franchise back in Los Angeles, yeah no you're not okay. Stop telling me that. Okay, here's why. In order for you to have an NFL franchise in Los Angeles, somebody is going to have to build a stadium. And right now, the only people who are serious, except for Stan Kroenke, the owner of the Rams, the only people that are serious about building a stadium want state money from California. Well, California broke. So if you think that you're getting a stadium built on the public dime in that state, it's not happening. And Stan Kroenke has got the land, and he's got a plan, and he's even actually bulldozed some dirt, but they're hanging him up on some sort of environmental impact study. you got to remember California's a state run by a bunch of lunatics, 
And so if there's like two gophers who might be endangered by a football stadium, they're never going to let you build it. Even though, you know, for a state that's bankrupt and here's a guy who's willing to spend the money to build his own stadium, and once you do, it's going to generate a fucking river of tax money. But nope, because of the three-toed striped gopher, we can't do it. Uh, just stop telling me about this. I, you know, when you have a stadium, then we can get to the conversation about which team is going to move there. Um, what was that? Did you hear that? No. Oh, all of a sudden it sounded like I was getting Morse code or something. Uh, oh, I didn't maybe... hear anything. Oh, okay. Well, you know, all right. So now that we've brought the show to a complete fucking halt, um, <laughs> bottom line, you know, Stop telling me about NFL franchises in Los Angeles until there's a stadium, okay? Or even even the stadium under construction. When, you know, when I actually see something that starts to look like a stadium rather than a big flat dirt field, I'll, I'm in. Because, you know, despite what you want to say, the NFL will do, do well in Los Angeles as soon as it's got a facility. The reason why both those teams left 20 years ago is, you know, you can't play in those 75-year-old, you know, venues like the the Coliseum and the Rose Bowl anymore. I mean, yeah, you can get away with a Super Bowl in them. You can get away with, you know, college football in them. But, you know, with the NFL, there's all of the press box and the sky box and, uh, you know, now we got to have places to put 75 media trucks and all that kind of stuff, and those places just aren't built for it. So show me a stadium. We'll talk NFL in Los Angeles. Until then, just... Shut the fuck up with that stuff, okay? Thank you. Um, now, and I know I know you're a big NFL fan, Jason, and I'm pretty sure that you've probably got a story of the NFL that could really just go away. Uh, yes, as a matter of fact, I do. <laughs> um, this notion of parity in the NFL, they, they want to try to peddle this, your team has a chance every year. Bullshit. Okay? The last, what, 15 years, I'm, look, I'm looking here at, especially especially in the AFC, you know, starting with the Patriots' first Super Bowl, here I'm looking at the AFC participants in the Super Bowl. You have the Patriots, the Raiders, that was an outlier, you know, that's not happening again in the near future. Then you have the Patriots, the Patriots, the Steelers, the Colts, the Patriots, the Steelers again, the Colts again, the Steelers again, the Patriots again, Baltimore, Denver, and the Patriots again. See a pattern forming here? Mm, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's that's the thing. I mean, without going through all that homework, like, okay. Let's say for the sake of argument, I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. Okay, now when is the last time that a Cleveland Browns fan got to September and said, hey, you know what, my team has a legitimate shot at the Super Bowl. I, I'm going to guess that that hasn't been uttered in Cleveland since the Bernie Kosar era. Mm-hmm. I mean, did I miss something between 1988 and now? I mean, you know. Right, and that's and that's our. I mean, we're coming up like you said. We're coming up on a new NFL season. I can tell you right now who's going to be in the playoffs. Probably, you know, five of the six teams: Patriots, Colts, <laughs> Broncos. Uh, what? Somebody has to win the 
the, the north, so probably Baltimore there, I would take. But, I mean, basically you're going to have four almost locks and then a couple of mystery guests, which happens every year, you know. Some people will say Pittsburgh. I personally don't buy Pittsburgh, but we're not doing analysis here. <laughs> yeah, you that's, know. that's fair. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I can tell you that now before the season starts. And, yeah, the Cleveland Browns, not going to the Super Bowl. I can tell you that now. Oakland Raiders, not going to the Super Bowl. I can tell you that now. I mean, don't sit there and try to push this. Every team has a chance. There's parity in the league. Now, do sometimes the Jaguars beat a team that they shouldn't beat? Well, of course, because they're the worst team in the league, and any team they beat, they shouldn't beat. So, you know, their three or four wins are always going to be upsets. But to actually say that you're a contender for it all, there's there's a handful of teams on in, in both conferences, and that's it. And it's been that way for a long time. Um, well, it, it was that way. I mean, it was that way even before they tried to tried to sell me on parody. I mean, if you go back to the 1970s when I was a kid watching the NFL, you know, the NFC playoffs every year, every year, were the L.A. Rams, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Minnesota Vikings. That was it, you know. And then, you know, throw in your wild card team, which, you know, could be whoever. It didn't matter because, you know, in those days when it was just four teams per conference in the playoffs, wild card team never won anything. And in the AFC, every year in the playoffs, it was the Dolphins, and it was either the Bengals or the Browns, and out west it, uh, you know, you know the Raiders, you know. Um, and, you know, the, you know, throw the Steelers in there as well. Um, and, you know, it was it, the regular season when it was 14 games, you know, and everybody kind of stuck in their divisions and their conferences, you know, it was – you just you just knew at the end you were getting the same four teams in the postseason, and you know what? Like you pointed out, it's kind of the same thing now. So, um, yeah, I, I I totally agree with you. Anything anything else to add to that? Otherwise, I, I got one that's burning a hole in my tongue that I, I want no. people to shut up about. Okay, a couple of minutes no. ago I talked about a couple of minutes ago I talked about the NFL in Los Angeles, and, you know, I said, yeah, stop with that shit until you actually build a stadium. The other thing that needs to go away is that the NFL and whoever is propagating this, the idea that you can put a franchise in London and make it work is so utterly freaking ridiculous that even if you do find a way to shove that square peg in a round hole, it's going to be a monstrous failure. And there's, there's a lot of reasons for it, but, you know, the NFL is really stuck in this little cocoon where they're the only major sports league in the world that doesn't have a global appeal. And, I mean, let's be honest. Americans, Americans love the NFL. I mean, we eat, sleep, breathe it. But nobody else in the rest of the world gives a shit about it, Okay. And you can try to tell me that, oh, well, we can build that interest. And, like, no, you really can't. You spent 20 years trying to do it with NFL Europe, and you got to a point where it was an okay minor league, but you were never going to get everyday fan base kind of stuff for an NFL team there. And even if you did that, okay, let's say for the sake of argument you can convert the Brits and they, they love – they love the NFL, okay? 
Well, you're guaranteeing that they're going to get a shitty franchise because, well, for one reason, England is five hours ahead in time from the Eastern time zone. So that means you can never put that London team on prime time in America because 8.30 p.m. Eastern time in America is 2.30 a.m. in England. That's not going to work, okay? And that also means that, you know, okay, no Thursday night, no Sunday night, no Monday night. It also makes 4 o'clock Sunday, which you'd like to have your national game, make that problematic because a 4.30 start in in, uh, in America, Eastern time, that's 9.30 p.m. In, in London. And, you know, despite the fact that London is a gargantuan city, Brits are really strange about it. They're not real late-night people. They, um... You know, when they have when they have night soccer in in England, I mean, they make sure those games are over by ten o'clock because you know everybody's got to go to work the next day. So that's and that's one problem, just the timing and the scheduling. You know, when you when you talk about schedule, then automatically you have the inherent TV issues. You know, because when the Patriots go play the London team, well, gee, you know. NFL doesn't really like the Patriots on at 1 o'clock on Sunday. They would much rather have them at 4.30 or on Sunday night or Monday night, and we all know that. Um, But the big problem, the big problem is that when you put a franchise in England and you start paying players to be in England, no big money free agents are ever going to go to that team because British tax laws are insane. I mean, the top tax rate in Britain is like 75%. Well, what guy making a lot of money is going to go give 75% of his money to some country he ain't even living in? So, then that takes us back to the whole thing about getting interest in football. And what you got to understand about soccer in in England and in Europe is that it's a neighborhood sport. You have literally 500 soccer teams in England and every neighborhood has one and the difference is is that some of those clubs got big and became the major leagues and some of those clubs didn't and formed the various layers of minor leagues but what that means is that in a city like London where every team has has its neighborhood or every every neighborhood has its 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 club that they support it means there's like half a million soccer seats available on a on a weekend in, during the season, and to think that you're going to get eighty thousand people to leave their national sport and pay attention to the NFL, that's not going to happen. You know, especially especially not if you charge NFL ticket prices. You are not going to fill up a stadium in England charging two hundred bucks or the British equivalent thereof. So. When you start talking to me about the NFL in Europe, the NFL in London, think hard about what you're talking talking to me about because I just don't care and I don't want to hear it anymore because it's it's not real. Do, am I making sense, Jason? Do you understand what I'm talking about here? Oh, of course. And and the the travel logistics too would be a nightmare. I mean, you're you're going to have to every team that goes over there. What? So there'd be there'd be eight you know home games. You'd pretty much have to schedule their bye week around that, which means That's, somebody's somebody gets a bye week in week two, and somebody gets a bye week in week right. fifteen or sixteen. Yeah, right. and, you know, 
Well, and yeah, so that's another reason why you can't do Thursdays. You know, the NFL is, is really trying to sell you on this Thursday night football. And so oh, so a team, like say, say the Raiders are going over there. So the, the Raiders play on Sunday, and now they got to get on a plane and fly. Who? How long is a flight between San Francisco and Los, and London? it got to be at least at least 10 hours because it's, oh. it's eight hours from New York to London. You know, yeah. so it's, it's not like England's really close. It's not like it's Canada, you know. And so, so we got to spend at least ten hours on a plane. We gotta, you know, it, it, it's just yeah. I, it's my, it's making my blood pressure go up just talking about <laughs> it. So I, you know, stop with this London stuff, okay? Just, just stop. And, and in trade later on, I'm going to tell you something about soccer that, you know, you will be surprised to hear an about soccer fans say, but I'm going to say it. That's in the second part of the show. Uh, I, I got to, I got to get a blood pressure pill here. So uh, Jason, I, I take, give me something else that I'm tired of hearing about. All right. Well, I don't know about hearing about it, but in going with the NFL and not just the NFL because it goes with baseball too. The uh, the blackout rules, which I think the I think the NFL has relaxed some of that a little bit now. Yeah. Uh, WGN disproved the theory that 35, 40 years ago, whatever it was, that if you put games on free TV, it will hurt your attendance because they had the Cubs on free TV every single day when I was a kid. Yep. I watched the Cubs at 120. It was before the time change thing here in Indiana. Uh, it was 120 in the afternoon, and people still went to games, and people are still going to go to games. Uh, the re- I, I think the thing that hurts attendance, and you already touched on it, especially in the NFL, is the damn ticket prices. That's oh, that's, more, that's more of a de- that's more of a deterrent to me going to more NFL games than the fact that they're on TV. I mean, and I'm, and I'm a guy that doesn't, you know, follow the home team here. So I guess I'm kind of an outlier, but you know, my brother is a, is a Colts fan. He has season tickets. He still goes to the game, even though they're on TV. That doesn't, you know, it doesn't stop him. I don't think, I don't think the fact that they're on TV stops anybody, you know, or very few people, you know, would say, well, you know, I would like to go to this game, but it's on TV for free. No, if you want to go to a game, you're going to go to a game. And right. the, the same thing happens in baseball, too. Like, whenever, like, I get the MLB network, which I love, by the way, and they should, they've been, the last couple of years, been showing more live games. Most of the time, if the Cubs are on their schedule, I don't get that game. Because I live, what, 150 miles from Chicago? That's going to stop me from going, you know? I mean, I don't, well, I, don't big, underst- I don't understand the logic behind it. The big problem that the NFL has, the big problem that the NFL has in, in this scenario is that out of the four major sports, football is easily the least watchable in person, Okay. You're in this eighty thousand seat stadium, and then you know you can actually spend enough money to not be able to see the game. If you're right down front at the fifty yard line in a lot of NFL stadiums, you look at the back of a lot of guys standing on the bench, and you can't really see the field. If you're if you're up in rows double Z, 
top row in the end zone, you know, you're, you're, you're 65, 70 feet above the field and 400 feet away from it, you know. Um, so when you go to a game, you're not really there to watch the game. You're kind of there for the environment, you know. Exactly. And, it, and, it's the, and it's the same deal for college football. College football really understands this much better than the NFL does. But the NFL, you know, they don't understand that it's not about watching the game. It's about the experience. Well, okay, by the time – okay, I'm going to an NFL game. By the time I've even gotten to my seat, if I'm not careful and I'm going with a buddy of mine or worse yet, I'm taking a family – I don't even get to my seat, and they're already in my pocket for five hundred bucks at least. You mm-hmm. know, and you know that's that's just not going to work with middle class America. If it's just not, you know, um, you can get into all this stuff about wage disparity and all that kind of political crap. But the bottom line is, the NFL go, going to an NFL game is no longer a family friendly experience. Whereas it still is in Major League Baseball, and it still is in, you know, the National Hockey League. And, you know, the NBA is starting to understand this and and realize that, you know, hey, you know, if you can't make basketball work in a state like Indiana, your problem is nobody's going to spend, nobody's going to spend 50 bucks on a ticket when they don't have to, you know. Um, So, yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And as far as the TV thing goes, well... Now we're into this issue where everybody's fighting over money. It's like, you know, as much as the people want to tell me that baseball is dead, okay, then why did why did um, Fox Sports just give the Dodgers three billion dollars for their, you know, regional broadcast rights? You know, why why are the owners of the Cubs parceling out Cubs games to the highest bidder? Which is why you get this whole Cubs White Sox thing. And I know you you've had rants about you know why can't I see the fucking Cubs on the weekends? You know, well because the White Sox the White Sox gave them more money. You know, um, it's it's messed up. Like I said, you know, honestly, here here here's something else that nothing nobody ever talks about. If I'm a guy who subscribes to the Major League, you know, Baseball League pack, you know, where I get, you know, I get all the out-of-market games. Okay, you've got my 200 bucks. Why don't you show me every game? Why are you still blacking out games that, that I've that paid? Was, that was going to be my next point. If I'm paying for it, paying extra for it, then there should be no blackout. I should get to see what exactly. I pay I have a buddy of mine that lives in the Quad Cities. If you're not familiar, the Quad Cities, you know, Moline, Rock Island, Illinois, that area, it's, it's on the Iowa-Illinois border. It's about 200 miles west of Chicago. The you know swing of the you Quad know? Cities is their minor league baseball team. I've seen them play. Oh, okay. So you know, you know where it is. I'm, I'm setting this yeah. up for people who, you know, you don't know where anything is out here in flyover country. Um, but if you live in the Quad Cities, there are six – Count them. Six major league teams that the ML package will block you out from. You don't get to see the Twins. You don't get to see the Brewers. You don't get to see either Chicago team, and you don't get to see the Cardinals or the Royals. Why right. the fuck would I get? Why would I give you two hundred bucks? You know, because I mean, go look at go look at your standings in baseball right now. You, you just blocked me out from five playoff contenders. Well, except for the Brewers. You know. Right. And yeah, so I mean, yeah, I mean, you're getting the money. I mean, you're getting more from me than you would be getting from 
you know, whatever you get, $2 a subscriber, whatever the cable company gives you for when, you know, I pick up the, the Major League Baseball network or any of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, blackout rules, that's such a 1960s mentality. I agree. It, it needs to go away. The way I understand it, too, I don't have direct TV, but my brother that lives up north used to. And it wasn't an issue for him up there, but if a game does get blacked out, which they rarely actually do because usually, you know, about Wednesday or Thursday, they put out the story, oh, the game, you know, the Colts haven't sold out. We might have to pull so it wait, wait, out. We're, we're, talk, we're, talk, we're talking about the NFL right now, right? Yeah, sorry. Okay, I okay. On you, sorry. But, you know, that happens. That story comes out, and then some corporation will come in and buy up the tickets and give them to kids or whatever, or or – the team itself will buy them and then turn around and resell them on the on the second secondhand market. Yep. You know, but my understanding was if a blackout actually did happen, you know, if, if for whatever reason somebody didn't buy those tickets and okay, game's blocked out locally, I've got Direct TV. I'm paying whatever it is for the NFL package. It's still blacked out on there too, the same same way as you said about the MLB package. <laughs> that. Well, and that's, I mean, I understand how that works because they all use, with the NFL, they all use the same, they all use the same broadcast feed. So, like, okay, we live in Indiana, um, and that means, like, we're going to talk about preseason football. With preseason football, okay, I'm an Eagles fan, and that means, oh, tomorrow I get to see, I get to see the Eagles just because they're playing the Colts. Now, because the NFL has you gobbled up all the local broadcast rights to all of its games. I mean, the NFL has a national TV package, whereas baseball doesn't. Baseball teams are able to negotiate their own rates for whatever for their local coverage. And so what that means is, you know, in the preseason, do you remember, like, before the NFL network when you saw a lot of preseason football on the networks and you don't yeah. see it at all anymore? Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's like, okay, so preseason football, I'm going to see four Colts games, and that's what I'm going to get unless I'm willing to give those jag-offs at Comcast more money to get the NFL network, which I won't because I'm not even, I, I don't even have the NFL network on our, our agenda for this. But, you know, how do you have all that great old NFL film stuff and never fucking show it? Now, well, that that could be a whole separate show right there because You're I, right, yeah. I, I, I did get the NFL network, and it's – I don't think for it specifically it's a sports package and the MLB network and a lot of other stuff comes with it. And yeah, I'm, the MLB network is miles and miles better than the NFL network. Just, it's not even close. The NFL network, when they don't have, you know, anything going on, which right now I think they're pretty much showing wall-to-wall preseason games, you know, replays and all that kind of stuff. They have stupid shit on there like, Oh, the top ten left-handed quarterbacks of all time. <laughs> okay, that's that's thrilling. You know, that's the best you could come up with. Like you said, they, you know, they could go back and show like the ice bowl game. You know, or they could show, you know, the what the, you know, like you said, they've got all access that, to everything. All, all, I mean, all any, that old. All that great old NFL film stuff, you know, with John Facenda, you know, the yeah. you know, the, the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. And, you yeah. know, living with when I was living with my grandmother in in Philadelphia, you know, 
John Facenda, the reason why he got that job is he was the weatherman on KYW in Philadelphia, and NFL Films is based in New Jersey, and Ed Sable's like, wait a minute, that guy's got the best voice for this stuff ever, and he's wasting it on, you know, cold front coming in from Canada, blah, 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 you know, like, you know, the mystique of the Oakland Raiders, you know, I mean, come right. on, you know, you know, fine, or the, the, the NFL folly stuff that was voiced over by Mel Blank, I mean, come on, I mean, that, how that, do you, that's terrible, that's unwatchable. Make sure I get much more Michael Irvin exposure. That's 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 a good thing, you know. Uh, you know, with the, there's a, I was say there's there's a there's a whole generation of of younger people that probably have no idea that the Raiders at one time were one of the best franchises in football. You could turn uh, on see some of that old stuff, and you know, it's not. I don't have any love for the Raiders, but. You know they've been a running, they've been a joke now for well over a decade, but that wasn't always the case. No, there was a time in the 1970s when the Raiders were the most successful franchise in terms of one loss percentage of any professional sports franchise anywhere, not just the NFL. I mean, you could stack them up against the history of the Boston Celtics and the history of the Montreal Canadiens and the you know. Even going into, you know, God forbid, we're going to mention the, the S word again, but when you go into, you know, the history of some of the great clubs in European and world, world soccer, I mean, they were, they were, I mean, the Raiders were dominant. And, and Al Davis is the guy who made the NFL look like what it does today. And, and without getting further into the weeds on that topic than we are, but you, you're absolutely right, is that, you know, I think he would do so much more for football if the NFL Network would embrace its history a little bit more. And then, you know, saying that to come back to stop blacking shit out and stop fucking with all this stuff just to try and wring a couple more nickels out of it. Because at the end of the day, I mean, I don't know if I'm, anybody else wants to get on board with this, but I'm, I'm on the verge of getting ready to say, you know what, the NFL product is really kind of shitty. The NFL's not giving me a quality product anymore, and and, and and that's another thing for a whole other topic. But um, well, nobody kind of dovetails on my first point because you have the haves and the have-nots, and the have-nots never seem to ever get any better. That's yeah, that's that's true. Um, you know, and and you know, I would say you know, despite the the, mm. the, the success under the Andy Reid era. You know, I'm I'm pretty much willing to say my team, the Eagles, are an NFL have not. Uh, you know, I haven't won a, won a NFL championship since 1960. I, I don't ever go into a season going, yeah, this is this is the, this is the year the Eagles win the Super Bowl. Not even in the Andy Reid era did I do that. I just because I, I never. They're the Eagles. They're going to find a way to fuck it up somehow. You know, it's the Jaworski rule. Get me to a Super Bowl and then throw an interception to the same fucking guy three times, okay? That's what being an Eagle fan is, and that's why I totally understand what you're talking about. Is that, you know, I, I'm an Eagles fan. I'm, I'm not winning anything. That's, that's, for, that's for, you know... Well, you know the Patriots right now, and it's for the 49ers, and it's for the Steelers, and it's for those teams that build dynasties and understand how to do it because they either figured out to get the right guys or got lucky enough to get the right guys. That's not going to happen in Philadelphia in my lifetime. I've resigned myself to that fact, and you know, oh, and Chip Kelly's a racist, so just thought I'd throw that out there too. Yeah, throw that grenade at me. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and well. It, 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 
I don't think we got anything more to add to that topic. So this is probably a good time for us to take a little break. As of this moment, they're on double secret probation. Now, despite numerous requests, here's Johnny! that have jumped the shark. Um, we got pretty heavy into the NFL, and I have a bad feeling that we're going to get pretty heavy into the NFL again. Uh, there's also, at the end of this, there's the, the aforementioned uh, rant about soccer that I've been billboarding throughout this show. Uh, but I want to talk about the one... in the business, right? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, that's uh, Mike, that's... Uh, it's a Mike greenberg S. Yes, yes. Well, yeah. Thank you. Um, I, I actually pictured myself more as the Golic in this in this equation, but it, you know, like you call them dumb and dumber, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I mean, in that whole conversation, I could be and I don't know, um, you know, whatever. Um, but something, and, and this is speaking of dumb and dumber, I've heard them talk about this, and they need to stop with it right now, and that's this whole idea of Ronda Rousey beating Floyd Mayweather or fighting Floyd Mayweather. And it's just, just stop with that, okay? The one thing that we talk about is like, okay, Ronda Rousey has knocked out more women than Bill Cosby. I get that, okay? So, um, wow, not even a reaction for that joke, huh? Okay. That, uh, two, 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 two cents? Two. What's that? <laughs> no. I was yeah, just waiting uh, for that grenade to land, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Just That's me, the bomb thrower. Um, send the hate mail to the right place, dubsism <laughs> at yahoo.com. Tell me what an <laughs> asshole I am. Um, but seriously, stop with this. Stop with this 
Ronda Rousey, Floyd Mayweather stuff. Because, well, first of all, I don't know if anybody's realized this, but boxing and MMA are not the same thing. So what are they going to actually compete at? Um, I mean, is this is this just like no holds barred? Is this, you know, pro wrestling, go fish, Monopoly? What are they playing? <laughs> you know, what are they doing? You know? And then, okay, let's say let's say it's just good old-fashioned street fight, no rules. Okay, you can't have brass knuckles or a pool cue or anything like that. But, you know, just go in there and duke it out who wins. Um, you realize that Floyd Mayweather, and, and a lot of people probably don't, you know that Floyd Mayweather is like 40 pounds bigger than Ronda Rousey, right? Okay. Right, right, right. Yeah, so, so right away he's got a serious advantage. And second of all, Ronda Rousey is a tough customer, don't get me wrong, but I don't think she's ever been hit by a pro boxer, you know? And she's certainly never been hit by a guy 40 pounds bigger than her in a, in a sanctioned fight. And I just have this feeling... It's kind of like when Mike Tyson was knocking all those jokers out in 30 seconds, and then the first time somebody got him into the ninth round of a fight, he got knocked out because he was out of gas. Mm-hmm. You know, well, Floyd Mayweather is the classic counterpuncher defensive fighter. You know, he's not going to let her get him into a wrestling match because he knows he can't win that. You know, she arm bars him in a heartbeat if it's a wrestling match. But you know, he's he's bigger than her. He's got more reach. You know, he's just going to keep throwing jabs and keeping her on the periphery, and then one day when she lets her guard down to try and grab him, she's going to get smacked, and that's going to be the end of that. So, not to mention, not to mention, if if you have this fight, and Floyd Mayweather's got a reputation of domestic violence, by the way. That's right. You know damn good and well that some ball-busting feminist pain in the ass is going to give us some fucking narrative about violence against women. And then you're going to have to be the guy that says, yeah, you realize she's a professional fighter, right? You know, violence is kind of her business. And, you know, it's not like, you know, it's not like they're in the trailer park on the episode of Cops drinking, you know, a case of malt liquor and beating (laughs) on each other with frying pans. They got paid for this, honey. So, either way, I mean, it's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. Stop talking about it. And I guess with that, we're going to go back to bagging on the NFL now, aren't we? Well, I will also throw in there, I'll throw my grenade in. That dynamic, plus you'd have a black man beating on a white woman. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So, so far we've covered Chip Kelly's racism, um, I've made a really tasteless Bill Cosby joke, and that brought us all to OJ Town. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the beauty of podcasting is that they can't really cancel anything that, you know, nobody's <laughs> listening to, you know. Like, you know, it's like, you know, the infamous words of Harry Doyle in Major League. Hey, you can't say goddamn on the air. Doesn't matter. Nobody's fucking listening anyway, you know. So, <laughs> so with that, okay. You know, bring me back to the NFL because I know you're going to. You're right, I am. And this is not even something that affects me personally. I have never been to an NFL preseason game and highly, highly doubt that I ever will. But the fact that they're charging, not only charging full price for the game, okay, but if you're a season ticket holder, like I said my brother is, 
you have to also buy those games. You don't have a choice. You can't say, well, I don't want the preseason game. That's what Reg says. No, it doesn't work that way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm, I'm paying, you know, depending on where my seats are, and I'm just going to throw an, a round number out there as, you know, an average price. But, so you're, you're, you're chopping me 200 bucks a pop to see a bunch of guys that are going to be loading trucks at UPS next week. That's some exactly. bullshit. Exactly. That, and, and we'll let the NFL get away with it. We would never, we would never let another business do that kind of thing. Okay, you roll up, you roll up to the drive-thru at McDonald's, and you order your Big Mac, and you give them the five bucks for the Big Mac, and they hand you a, you know, they hand you a tuna fish sandwich. No, that's not happening. You know? <laughs> so why do we let the NFL get away with that shit? That's a good question, I guess, because they can. I mean, I, I you know, and and I know it's all driven by money. Everything's driven by money. We know that. But, you know, you don't even need to have four preseason games in the first place, for one thing. Nowadays, all teams are doing these joint practices with other teams. Uh, the Patriots are going this week to a place in Virginia, they're meeting the Saints there. They're going to have work out together all week and then play their preseason game next week. And, you know, they've done that for, for years. A lot of teams are doing that now. I would think that you could evaluate that just as much, if not better, than playing an actual preseason game. Because if you're doing a joint practice, you can set up any scenario you want to, pre- you want to practice. I want to practice, you know, the goal line stand. Do I want to practice, okay, a minute and a half, we're at our own 42-minute drill. You could do any of that stuff. That stuff may not come up in a regular game. Well, and yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I will add something to that, and that is this is another example of how full of bullshit Roger Goodell is when he talks about giving a damn about the safety of the players because, you know, with four preseason games, how many times do you have a team – Lose a guy who matters. I'm not talking about the Steelers and their kicker, what happened to him in the Hall of Fame game. I'm talking about teams losing a guy that matters because we're playing four preseason games. I mean, I had a guy with my team, Zach Ertz, just got hurt. And granted, it was in training camp and not in a preseason game. But when I roll these guys out there four times, that's that many more times and that many more practices that I'm rolling the dice that the guy's going to blow his knee out it's something that doesn't matter. You right, know? which make which makes a team reluctant to play the starters, which you get again the the fans lose because then they get to watch the guys like you said that are going to be loading trucks for UPS in two weeks instead of well, and then and then what's even stupider is that oh well the whole idea of the preseason is that we're evaluating our talent and looking at the kind of players we have on the team. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, so that doesn't that mean you're going to go out there and let the starters practice and get warmed up for the regular season instead of showing me like a bunch of guys who are going to be sandwich artists at Subway? I mean, that's bullshit. You know, stop telling me this stuff. Stop telling me you care about the safety of the players when you're trotting them. I mean, if you're in the Hall of Fame game and you're the Vikings or the Steelers, you're playing five preseason games, not four. Do you know that? Right, right, which is why... Roethlisberger did not see the field in that game last week. Do you blame him? No, absolutely not. But and and that might be a different situation because it's in a neutral field and all that. But you know, at least if I'm paying 
two hundred bucks or whatever it is. I don't even know, you know, for a game or full price. I at least want to see Ben Roethlisberger if I'm a Steelers fan, at least for a little while, you know. And you know, I get as a baseball fan, I get that if I'm going to a Wednesday afternoon getaway day game, you know, it's it's pretty plausible that, you know, I go to that game and Mike Trout is not playing and Joe Bag of Donuts is spelling him in center field. That's the risk you take as a baseball fan. You know, guys get days off in a 162-game season, and a lot of times they're those day games. Fine, I get that. But when, you know, you play once a week on Sunday and you're charging me full ride, I want to see I want to see the main guys. You know, I want to see, if I'm a Steelers fan, I want to see Roethlisberger and not... Who's his backup? Can you even name him? No, I can't remember because I didn't watch it. <laughs> I, I can't. I mean, you know, I can tell you who the backup quarterback is for the Eagles, but that's because I have nightmares of him not being the backup quarterback, and that's <laughs> that's a whole other situation, which if I even start talking about that, it'll counteract the blood pressure pill I just took in the break, and I kind of need that, you know. You well, know, even, in, um, even in your even in your baseball scenario, okay, you know, let's say I went to a Cubs game, like you said, on a Wednesday, and uh, Anthony Rizzo got the day off, which doesn't happen, but there's still the possibility that game is going to be tied 2-2 in the bottom of the eighth, and they're going to send Rizzo up to pinch hit and try to win the game. You oh, still might yeah. get to see him in, in the preseason game, you know. Tom Brady goes out and plays two series, and that's it. He's done. He goes in, he takes his uniform off. He's not playing, you know. Oh, I'll I'll do you one better. I remember how you ripped ripped on Rex Ryan for putting Mark Sanchez back in the end of a preseason game and he got hurt. You I you you had a tirade about that for weeks. It was it was <laughs> yeah. wild wildly yep. entertaining. And it totally fits your narrative here. You're like, yeah. You know, you're not bringing guys back in. You're never going to see them again. And that's why I never understood. Okay, you go to a preseason game and you see you see the the starters go out, they play one series, maybe two, and then it's you know, a bunch of guys that you're never going to hear from again. And and I, I got to pay full price for it. That is stupid. And I, and I really think that that's another example of how the NFL is just – there's a lot of things that the NFL does. It's just a big fuck you to its fans, you know. And Yeah, and that's and, a big one to me. I mean, because not, not all that stuff that we just said, and then, oh, by the way, we still want the full price for the for the tickets, you know. Yeah, I'm just I'm just I'm waiting for the day that that, that that's going to catch up to them. And Roger Goodell will probably be a long distant memory by the time that happens. But I would really love that grenade to land in his foxhole because I would really, really love to see that guy go away. And and, and you know what? Honestly, I don't because. You know, part of me doesn't want him to go away because, I mean, let's face it, for a blogger, the guy's just a gold mine of material, you know. I mean, I've never seen a guy better at stepping on his own dick in my whole life, you know. I mean, the yeah. guy, I mean, literally can't get out of his way. And and what's going to happen with this, and I here, here comes the D word for you, Mr. Patriots fan, but uh, what's going to happen with this whole deflate gate scenario, I think, is going to be just... He, there's no way he gets out of this without egg on his face. It's just, just none. And you know, I've, I've told you, I've told you my off-air theory about this, and I'm going to keep that theory off-air for right now. But you know what I'm talking about in terms I of Goodell, and, yeah, in terms of Goodell and, and what, what kind of, what his future might look like. But um, with that, um, I've got another thing where you know, 
it, it, it makes me see way too much of that ginger piece of shit. And that's the NFL draft. Why is the NFL draft a three-day production event now? You know? It's so bloody unwatchable. I Okay. First of all, 15 minutes between picks in the first round is just silly. That's just way too much time. But I got to <laughs> listen... I got to listen to guys like Berman and, uh, you know, Chucky there, you know. Yeah. And, well, I'm going to stop it, you right there before you go any further on that because the team that has the number one pick knows they have the number one pick as soon as the season is over, right? Yep. And then and then you have the whole off season all the way up – well, not the whole off season, but all the – you know, what, from, from January to April when this thing is taking place. Yeah. And that and that first team still uses that whole fifteen minutes. You like you you have three months and now you need an extra fifteen minutes to make up your mind, really, you didn't know coming into this who you were taking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. You know, that that you know, really I could almost use that as a summary statement of what's wrong with the NFL draft. Um I remember, and this again, story time with Uncle Dubs, uh, I'm old enough to remember when the NFL draft was on like a Tuesday afternoon in, you know, like some convention center, and it's a bunch of guys with folding card tables, and they would just write the name of the guy they wanted to draft on an old-fashioned index card, and they'd, you know, pass it up to the desk up front where Pete Rosell would stand up and go, well, with the first pick in the draft, the New York Jets select Jeff Lagerman. <laughs> I don't know who that who's that fucking guy, you know? And then and then and then it became you know, you could tell when it the progress started because I remember watching the NFL draft and me and my sports buddies would watch it just because, you know, for us really it was a reason to cut school because we were fourteen and you know, that's what fourteen year olds do. You know, we would cut school, watch this on ESPN back when ESPN was still cool because it was new and nobody had covered sports like that before. But you could always tell when it was changing, because all of a sudden one day, this guy who looks just like Count Chocula shows up, and he starts saying things like, well, it's pretty clear right now the New York Jets have no idea what the draft is about. I'm like, wow, that guy probably just made a million bucks to be completely fucking obvious. Oh, I wish I could do that. You know, you know, I mean, I mean, you know, a lot of people like to bag on Mel Kuyper, but, you know, you got to give credit where credit is due. The fact that we're sitting here doing a podcast for literally no money just because it's something we like to do. Don't tell me that you wouldn't love to do this and make $25 million for doing it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, duh, you know. So, I mean, you know, but the problem is is that the stuff that that Kuyper does and and McShay and just pick any of those quote-unquote experts. Mayock, yeah, keep them coming. You know, they never, ever want to go back and admit they were wrong. No. Never once. You know, and and that adds to the unwatchability of this because, you know, I will be the first guy to admit, okay, I was dead wrong about a guy. And, and I'll tell you the most recent example of a guy who I swore, swore up and down would never make a legit NFL quarterback, and he did, and that's Cam Newton. Okay, I, I have to eat that. I'm with you on that. I was the same way. I, I, I'll, I'll eat that one with you because I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, um, and, you know, I'm, I'm saying the same thing right now about Jameis Winston. You know, I think this guy's a dumpster fire waiting to happen, and he's a dumpster fire within a dumpster fire because, I mean, let's be honest, I mean, 
the Buccaneers are a pretty badly run organization. Nobody pays attention to them because they're overshadowed by how lousy the Jaguars and the Raiders are. But, you know, hmm, Lovey Smith is the guy that's going to groom my young quarterback? Yeah, yeah, that didn't work like a couple of times. So, yeah, that worked out pretty well for Rex Grossman. Yeah, Rex Grossman, Jay <laughs> Cutler, Kyle Orton, you know, you, you just whatever. I, I'm, not, I'm not buying that. And, and to bring this back to the NFL draft, speaking of the Buccaneers, yeah, they're the team on the clock. They knew, they knew from day one that they had to draft Jameis Winston. I think in a lot of respects they didn't want to because you don't. I think this guy's a hand grenade. I mean, if if you're dumb enough to do the shit that he pulled at Florida State, and then you give him sixty million dollars, that's just asking for trouble. And but if they don't draft him, then all their fans are gonna you know bitch and moan and scream about that, and then they'll have. Count Chocula and McShay and all those other guys. You know, there's, there's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers obviously have no idea what the draft is about. Brady, 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 Brady. They can't win. And that's, again, that goes back to your whole parody thing because for the teams that are in the playoffs, the opposite end of that coin is that you notice that there's really about the same five or six usual suspects that are always, you know, in the first hour of the draft. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of Buccaneers, there's a lot of Raiders, a lot of Jaguars. There's a reason for that. And, you know, that's another reason why this is so unwatchable. It's like, okay, here's the team that's going to make the draft pick that really don't help them start the clock. And 15 minutes (laughs) later, oh, and the Tennessee Titans select a guy who's never going to succeed in the NFL. Thank you very much, you know. Marcus Mariota, yeah, great, you know, because uh, the Titans have such great luck with those Pac-10 quarterbacks, uh, Jake Locker. Um, Jake Locker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, you know, with that, yeah, the draft, I mean, get this thing back to one day. It doesn't have to be on television. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe they sell commercials on ESPN. Fine. Oh, yeah, okay, you know, that's what we need, more reasons to run beer commercials. Um, <laughs> another, you know, another, have... an, another point to that that I'm, I'm going to make that goes with that is even even worse than all that to me is after the draft, you have McShay and Mayock and, and Count Chocula giving these teams grades on their draft. What do oh. these teams got to be? This guy hasn't even put on a uniform yet, and you're already telling me that this was a good draft or a bad draft. What do you think the Patriots' uh, draft grade was when they drafted Tom Brady in the sixth round? Who they because drafted the first you, round you know that year? Uh, I knew you were going to ask me that. It, it, guy it doesn't make, matter. Guy didn't make the team. I, I can tell you that he was a lineman, I believe. Uh, I don't think anybody from that draft class stuck around very long. Yeah, but well, but Tom well, Brady kind of pulls the rest of it up, you know. <laughs> Well, and again, why, you know, Patriots fans every year should send Mo Lewis a Christmas card, you know. (laughs) Um, But, no, you raise a really good point with that because here's the thing. They're giving away grades based on what they thought the team should do, and this is coming from a bunch of guys who will never admit when they're wrong. So, And if they were that brilliant about it, they would be uh, NFL genius. 
I'll just right, it. which is why everything <laughs> that everything that Mel Kiper and you know McShay and Mayock, everything that those guys say should be printed on a roll for convenient use, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and but here's the worst part, and this is where I'm going to throw this throw this back to you because this is another one of my favorite off-air conversations that we've had, and that is, okay, the NFL draft is not the most unwatchable thing that the NFL Network televises, and I, I, I'm i setting you up for this rant because I love it so much. But go. Oh, fastball right down the middle for me, the combine. Yep. And, I, and, I, and I realize they're going to tell you, first of all, they throw out these ratings all the time. You know, the, that preseason game got a 6.9 rating. It was higher than the than the Stanley Cup Finals, and it was higher than the World Series. I don't believe that, first of all, okay? I think the NFL lies about that. I'll just, go, I'll, I'll just straight out say it. The NFL is lying when it comes to that. And I know they say they get ratings for this combine. And uh, Mark Schlereth, ESPN analyst, now has a podcast of his own. I've heard him referred to it as the underwear Olympics, which I keep yep. using because that's what it is. And I don't, and again, I, I, you know, Patriots guy, Tom Brady, go back and look at Tom Brady's picture from the combine, watch him run the 40 in, you know, six, seven hours. Not very impressive. You know, well, okay. matter? no, <laughs> And then you also have the workout guys like Mike Mamula. Oh, you just took that name right uh, out of my mouth. I was just going to say, the other end of that story is Mike fucking Mamula, the guy who, yeah. oh, he can bench press 900 pounds. He can run a 40 in 3.6 seconds. He can hide up 18 feet. I once saw him walk across a lake and heal an injured <laughs> swan, but the one thing he can't fucking do is play football. Yeah, ah! exactly. Exactly. I don't care how fast an offensive lineman can run a 40-yard dash. When does an offensive lineman ever have to run a 40-yard dash playing football? When they think that McDonald's is going to stop serving breakfast in two minutes. <laughs> that's when. You, well, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know that stuff. Okay, the guy bitch presses 500 pounds. Okay, he's a big, strong guy. Guess what? The league is full of big, strong guys. That doesn't make you a football player. That's true. Yeah, and like I said, you can time Tom Brady's uh, forty time that year with an hourglass. It didn't didn't seem to really uh, bother him much for his career, you know. Yeah, and, and you're you're exactly right. But you had to bring up goddamn Mike Mamula. Why don't you just come <laughs> over and kick kick my cat, burn my garage down? You know, God. You know, and that's that's you know that's. The worst part about that is that this is this is the Ray Rhodes era in Philadelphia, which you know I like to call the Dark Ages. I mean, yeah. it's it's not as bad as the Rich Cotite era, you know, Mister Decline the Penalty and Punt, but uh, uh. <laughs> oh, yeah, Mamula. And it, it, all you heard about was, oh, this this guy, this guy, this guy is off the charts in terms of his workout capabilities. Yeah, he's also off the charts because he can't tackle anybody. I mean, I I remember watching a preseason game with him, and, oh, he pulls this incredible athletic move to slip a block. Guy with the ball goes right fucking by him. Doesn't even lay <laughs> a finger on him. But, oh, Mike Mamula. Yeah, are we done with that topic? Because i got to move on. Mike, that's going to yeah, make that's, my that's brain. Yeah, that's fine. That just... 
needless to say, I don't watch a nanosecond of the combine, and I don't, no. I don't give a rat's ass about anything that comes out of that. Yeah, if I want to see, if I want to see a disgustingly fat guy with no T-shirt on, I'll look in my bathroom mirror. I mean, I don't. <laughs> I don't need to see that. Um, what, what you have there with the ratings is because I've noticed this um, on social media and through some of the other podcasts that I listen to that take calls. Um, everybody becomes a an armchair GM. Everybody thinks they find the guy that went to you know, Northeastern Southern Roast Beef State that's going to be the guy that nobody else knows about but them. And that's the guy they want their team to draft because they know better than all of these NFL scouts and coaches and, you know, and whatnot. And so that they watch that stuff, I think, just for that reason. That's my opinion. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and, and I can back that up by saying, you know me, you know that I am actually a much larger college football guy than, than the NFL. And what happens is every April, well, now May, Every time draft season rolls around, all those armchair GMs start texting me, calling me, like, hey, what about uh, what about this lineman from Alcorn State? He seems to be moving up the charts. I'm like, fuck off. You don't know anything about these people. So it's, it's, like, it's just like you start telling them what they want to hear. It's like, oh, yeah, this guy's a workout warrior. He's off the charts with something. Yeah, you don't know. Just, just yeah, fuck off and leave me alone. Did you did you ever see? And we'll close this topic if you want. But did you ever see where uh, somebody submitted a completely false player from some college that didn't exist to Mel Kiper? This has been a few years ago, and he went on and told you all about the guy. He's got this. He's got a. He's got a <laughs> motor. You know, and the guy didn't exist. Yep. So, <laughs> yep. That's... I remember, you know, how long ago that was, but. That's, that's, there's an old there's an old episode. I mean, the old TV show Mash. There's an old episode of it called Captain Tuttle. And what they do is they completely invent a guy, you know, just to see how long it takes the army to figure it out. And of course, this, you know, this goes all the way. Like, you know, they actually get this guy on the army payroll. They they have all this hilarious stuff. Guy's nothing but a file folder, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I don't even want to get started on Kuiper because we'll be here, we'll right. be yeah, here that's all a, day that's long. That's a topic and, for another day, as I said. Yeah, we'll come back to that. Come around draft time, we'll just have the Mel Kuiper Bash Festival, and <laughs> you know, there will be you know uh, our first seventeen-hour podcast. This will go on longer than the Jerry Lewis Telethon, uh, but <laughs> there's so there's so much material. Um, with that, okay, I'm, I'm going to change the subject here. I'm going to go from American football to world football. This is this is the soccer statement that I've been teasing you with all throughout the show. I'm going to come out and say it, and this is a direct broadside at you pain-in-the-ass American soccer fans, and that is stop pissing everybody else off with this stupid shit about Anybody who doesn't understand soccer just really doesn't understand the beautiful sport that it is. Shut up, okay? First of all, Americans don't like soccer because Americans have never been given a real version of it. The the crap that we're showing Americans now with MLS is a joke. But they're getting top-flight European players now. No, they're getting retired, used-up guys, okay? Steven Gerrard is 38 years old. Uh, 
Weird throw. I mean, he left his best days at Chelsea five years ago. Stop. Okay, Americans are not going to be interested in this for the same reasons you're never going to get Europeans interested in NFL football is because you don't ever give them a quality product. If you gave Americans real European soccer at the top level, it would gain a lot more interest than it does with this warmed-over crap you're trying to sell now. But most importantly, you, Mr. Sanctimonious soccer fan, you need to shut the hell up because the more time you keep telling us all stuff like, well, each trip down the pitch is just like a mini novel in and of itself. No, nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to go to a sporting event for a novel, okay? Americans like Americans like what they like. They like the NFL. They like 300-pound guys smashing into each other. You know, they yes, the subtleties of soccer are lost on Americans, but that's why we're Americans, okay? We had a war a couple hundred years ago so that we didn't have to be just like the fucking British. Stop trying to make us like the British, all right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a soccer fan. I get that, okay? But I don't run around. Have I ever once, Jason, have I ever once come up to you and said, well, you're stupid because you don't understand soccer? Have I ever said that to you? No, never. Will I ever say that to you? No. I, you know no. why? Because I have a very selfish reason for this, okay? One, yes, it's freedom of sports religion. If you don't want to like soccer, fine. You know, Americans do seem to have this mentality that it's like an either-or, like, I can't watch American football and soccer, or like, if I watch soccer, somebody's going to break into my house and cut my balls off because it's a quote-unquote faggy sport, which is not. <laughs> it's actually pretty violent if you watch it. Um, but here's the thing, okay, and this is where I'm going to get hate mail from all kinds of Americans. And first of all, my fellow soccer fans are already turning on me for... For, you know, I'm the magician telling you how they cut the lady in half in the box here. Uh, but the real problem is, hey, maybe I like a sport that isn't full of Americans, okay? Because when I watch soccer, I don't get Ron Jaworski and the ESPN idiots that are just telling me stupid stuff I already know. The Brits are actually pretty sophisticated about the way they talk about sports. Now, yes... There's, there's, the, you can find stuff on on Sky Sports in the UK where you you've got the, the idiot factor going, but there's no, there's no NASCAR level to this. I mean, if you ever tried to watch NASCAR coverage on ESPN, you realize that they dumb stuff down a whole lot. Because I'm just going to be honest, the average NASCAR fan's probably not that bright. Correct? <laughs> That's a broad swoop and. Uh... Another grenade, but uh, yeah, yeah, you know, a, a lot of uh, a lot of southerners will just. Uh, well, okay, you know, and not just southerners because it's popular it's everywhere. <laughs> you know, if you, you know, let's let's put it this way: if you work in an office environment and you walk by somebody's cubicle and they have a big Jeff Gordon poster, that's probably the least likely person in the building who's ever going to get promoted. You know, that's you know, okay. And since I'm throwing grenades, dubism <laughs> at yahoo.com, send your hate mail there. My opinions do not necessarily reflect those of Jason from Indiana, so don't go on his Twitter feed and call him an asshole. Come after me. Yes, NASCAR fans, soccer fans, yeah, yeah come after me. I've, I've pissed you all off. I'll take the heat for it, but okay. NASCAR fans and the NASCAR mentality, it bleeds over to the NFL because you can find really stupid NFL fans that'll say really stupid shit. If you don't believe what? that, just yeah, <laughs> just go to the comments section on, a, on an article on ESPN. 
European soccer is really free of that. And so stop preaching at Americans because it's actually a refreshing change to to see an intellectual debate about sport rather than Tony Romo is a homo. I'm like, no, oh, that's clever. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I haven't seen that as a Facebook meme 6,500 times. And so let people be. If they don't want to like soccer, they don't have to. It, it, it's, it's not a contest. Like, well, my sport's more popular than yours. You really want to drive an NFL fan crazy who, you know, really wants to bag on soccer, all you have to do is tell them, you know, the English Premier League is the most popular sports league in the world and could buy and sell the NFL with, you know, with the coins it finds in its collective couch. I mean, there's so much money in the English Premier League, it's ridiculous. But... Americans just don't want to don't want to come to terms with that, and, and, and like I said, that's fine. Go, you know, do your American sports thing, and I will do a lot of the American sports things with you. It's nice to have something that you know is, is a complete change from that. If you don't like that, like I said, Dubs isn't at Yahoo.com. Send me your hate mail. <laughs> sharpen your electronic crayons. I don't care. Just you know, just it's time to leave well enough alone with this whole. Soccer, anti-soccer debate. Um, I'm really not doing a good job keeping my blood pressure under control with this whole thing. So, uh, well, you know. a, that, I was to say that's a soccer fan saying that, folks, because <laughs> I, I feel the same way. I, you know me, and I'm not a soccer fan. It's, I don't hate it. I mean, I don't despise it, but it does not interest me. And I have been hearing since I was in at least middle school, how soccer was going to take over the nation and it's going to become this popular thing. And, and it, it hasn't happened yet. Probably not going to happen. Well, it, once every, once every four years, everybody, you know, wraps themselves in the flag and roots for the world cup. And, yeah. and that's, and that's fine. But like I, I said before, People also wrap themselves in the flag every four years for the Olympics and watch, you know, the decathlon, and nobody's watching that any other time. Nobody's watching swimming except when Michael Phelps is doing it in the Olympics. That's and that, that's absolutely correct. And and the thing the thing that that's the real the real issue here is, is there's there's a really fun um, show on NBC Sports Network called Men in Blazers, and it's two British guys that have lived in the States for a long time, and they talk about the English Premier League. And one of the things they always talk about when they talk about soccer in America is like, yes, soccer has been America's growth of the, growth sport of the future for like 50 years now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, you know, it's, 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 I'll just, I'm going to throw a total plug for these guys because even if you don't like soccer, that that show might be the best sports show on American television because – they do things in a way, like my wife. My wife does not understand anything about soccer. That show is must-watch television for her because these guys are hilarious. And they put soccer in terms that Americans can understand. And you, you're a, you're a you know, Fantastic Four, Avengers sort of guy. You a Game of Thrones mm-hmm. guy? You're a Game of Thrones uh, guy? Oh, that- I've never, never seen it. Never seen it. Okay, well, the show's full of Game of Thrones references. It's It's full of... You know Harry Potter references. It's you know, I know I know off air. You're a trivia dude. They throw all kinds of stuff in there. I I would never expect that show to captivate 
you and turn you into a soccer fan. But if you're on the fence or you have a casual interest in soccer, tune this thing in. It's it's really the best thing that anybody in American sports is producing right now. It's Men in Blazers. You can find it at meninblazers.com. It's usually on the NBC Sports Network, uh, like 11 o'clock Monday nights, except when we get into hockey season and then it uh, kind of gets moved around a little bit. But, yeah, no, check it out. It's a totally free plug. Um, I really should not do that. I should really call those guys up and say, hey, send me 50 bucks. I'll say, okay, <laughs> great things about your show. But, um, yeah, that's... That's that's funny, it about soccer. Funny you mentioned that because I was just I did, the thought just occurred to me because would it be fair to say soccer is a niche sport? I mean, in this country, you know. Well, that depends. Define define niche because that's going to change how I my answer that. Not 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 on par mainstream wise as football, baseball, basketball. You know, no, not there, even close. But, to definitely, but but definitely has its fans. And I would say the same thing about hockey. I'm also not a hockey guy, but I know people that like hockey love hockey. But I yep. never once had a hockey fan tell me I'm stupid because I don't like hockey. Or yeah, you know, I'm missing out on something because I don't enjoy hockey. They they like what they like, and they kind of mind their own business when it comes to it. You know, they're like. And I don't hate hockey. I, like I said, I don't hate soccer. It's just not something that I follow and I've ever gotten into. But the soccer the fans sometimes are just obnoxious about it. And it seems like hockey fans are just like, oh, okay, if you don't like it, I love it. I'm going to watch it. So, yeah. you know, good for you. The problem, the problem that soccer fans have, okay, first of all, go out to, and it's harder to do in this town since we live in, you know, pretty pretty red state Midwest, but you know, you live in a larger city in the suburbs, and you go out to one of those complexes that's eight, nine soccer fields, and you got all the 10-year-olds out there playing soccer. Well, who are soccer moms, okay? Soccer moms are all these 35-year-old women who think they fucking run the world because they voted for Obama and feel good about themselves, and you know. And they're the same people because soccer is popular everywhere in the world except America, these are the same people that 30, 40 years ago tried to shove the metric system up your ass because if the rest of the world is doing it, then, oh, well, well we must be doing it wrong because, well, we're just Americans and the Europeans are so much more refined and so much more civilized and so much more useless, okay? I mean, the, the post-World War II world was built by Americans. Shut up with your European bullshit already, okay? Yeah, that, that's what I think. <laughs> I mean, if you like it, great. Watch it. Enjoy it. God bless you. Uh, you know, I'm kind of almost feeling that way about baseball lately, the way, like you mentioned earlier, I'll, you know, nobody talks about baseball anymore. Nobody, you know, <laughs> we keep predicting the death of baseball and all this and that, which I don't believe. But I love my baseball. If you, <laughs> If you told me you can only watch one sport for the rest of your life, you have to pick one, I would pick baseball. And oh, I, that would you know, be a, that would be a tough that would be a tough choice for me. I, I really don't know what I would pick. You know, I, it would it would be a toss up for me. It would be a toss up between baseball and college football. Um, I don't know which. You know, it'd be like it'd be like you know which nut do I want to cut off? I like uh, <laughs> I, I like them both so much, but 
Yeah, thankfully I don't have to make that decision. So, yeah. um, but one thing about baseball, and I know we're getting into we're gonna we're gonna end up in a baseball conversation here in a second. And before we do, I just want to say when I made the comment earlier about the relative intellectual capacity of of uh, fans of a particular sport, by and large, baseball fans, if you trim away teams that have the silly bandwagon factor, like when the Yankees are good, or the kind of Wrigleyophile Cubs fans that stand in front of the statue of Ernie Banks and go, who's this guy? You know, if you trim those away, baseball really has smart fans. You want to have a good intellectual conversation with somebody about sports, find a guy who's a baseball fan. And like I said, a legit baseball fan, not a bandwagon guy. Because baseball or fans... If you're not, or if you're not Dominican. Oh wow! The Colin Coward grenade is thrown back at me. Grenade back at me. So this is this is like a tennis match with a grenade instead of a ball. It's like yeah. Okay, so if you're Dominican, you can see Jason from Indiana in his Twitter feed, which we will be listing on our blog. Um, I don't remember it off. Don't remember it off the top of my head. Cell phones have destroyed my ability to remember anything. Like you know, like if I ever got arrested and they took my phone away from me, I don't even know who to call because I don't know a phone yeah. number anymore. I'm you know, but my, I barely know my own. <laughs> yeah, my phone. My, yeah, it'd be like call my wife. Oh shit, this <laughs> phone doesn't do that. You know, God. <laughs> so baseball fans are smarter than the average bear, and that's going to lead us into. You're gonna you're gonna say something about baseball, and it and it, it it's gonna make me not agree with you. So let's just yeah. just go for it. Yeah, we're gonna have a fight. Um, this is something that I would like to get rid of. One of the complaints about baseball, and you can blame it on the younger generation and the attention span or what have you, is that it's too long. It takes too long, and there's not enough action. Which I don't I don't agree with any of that either. But why do we actually need to throw? four balls to intentionally walk a batter? Why can't we just have the umpire or the uh, the manager or the catcher turn around and tell the ump, we're putting this guy on? Why do we need to go through that charade and waste, you know, three minutes? Because it's not just like, you know, they actually, the pitcher gets the ball, he has to go into the stretch, look at the runners, throw a ball, you know, three feet outside. Four times. I don't, you know, can't we just uh, just say, hey, we're we're putting this guy on. We don't want to pitch to him. Well, because here's the thing, all right? And then I know you're going to say this almost never happens, but it's the fact that it's the possibility. What you got to understand about baseball is that once there's a guy on base, just because there's nothing obviously happening doesn't mean that the ball's not in play. It's not like the NFL where, okay, in between the times the clock's running, nothing's happening. No. I mean, the guy on base, he can take off anytime he wants, you know? And that's that's part of the thrill of baseball is that, and it's, it's harder to do this on television because television focuses on the pitcher and the hitter. And when there's runners on base, you, you never get a full sense of what's going on with the cat and mouse game with the guys on base, you know, and that's that's why you kind of got to leave that in there. This is almost like listening to the guys who say, "Well, you know, let's get rid of the kickoff in the NFL." I'm like, really? You're going to get rid of the one of the most exciting plays you have because you want to either save time or you've got this bullshit safety argument that you're sticking to. And you, 
yeah, we care about the safety of the players, but we're still going to play 43 preseason games. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, you know, same thing with the, with the intentional walk. I mean, yes, the intentional walk, I will grant you, is probably the least interesting play in sports short of the uh, point after touchdown or, you know, the penalty kick in soccer. I mean, people get whipped up about penalty kicks. It's like, how often do you see a penalty kick get stopped? You know, one one out of every ten, okay? So, you know, what we're doing is we're taking an element of the game away to say, okay, here's how we're going to save time. Here's how we're going to improve the game. And like, well, wait a minute. The people who are saying this, and like you just said, the people who are saying this, the younger generation, the football fans, well, how much of an NFL game is a bunch of fat guys standing around with their hands on their hips? Yeah, yeah. Or, or even at the end of a basketball game where it's foul, free throw, foul, free throw, timeout, foul, free throw, you know. Yeah, well, that, you know, here's a great way to stop that, and that is, you know, teach NBA players how to shoot free throws. You know, well, that. Yeah. you know, it's like, God forbid we, you know, because you actually raise a really good point. It's like, that's the kind of shit that starts happening when you abandon the fundamentals of the game. You know, so if we just want to throw guys on base, well, okay, you know, gee, then all of a sudden, you know, there, there's a there's a trickle-down effect. And now all of a sudden, catchers don't know how to call a pitch out when they know a guy's running because we don't ever actually do that when we're walking a guy or you know the next thing you know like the whole argument about the shift you know like well they ought to ban the shift like no learn to hit the other way yeah that i agree with or you know like yesterday and i know this this will froth you because it's a cardinals reference i watched the cardinals pull a suicide squeeze with mark reynolds on third base because it was the shift now mark reynolds runs like a horse with a broken leg and wet (laughs) sand but when the third baseman is in the next county because of one of your goofy shifts, why not drop a butt where that guy should have been? And even the slowest guy in the world can score a run. I mean, you're yeah. so worried about this guy, you know, hitting a fly ball to the outfield that you just gave him a run on a cheap butt. And, I mean, and even the worst major league hitters can lay out a butt when there's nobody going to grab it, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. I've, seen, I've seen Anthony Rizzo do that once in a great while when they shift on him if he's a – you know, a big gap out there, and the, the third baseman is playing shortstop, and the shortstop is playing second base, and the second baseman is in between there. I've seen him do that occasionally. I mean, why? W- I, I think Big Poppy even did it once and got on. I mean, why wouldn't you? It's a free base. Well, and, and, that, and let's get back to the intentional walk thing, though, because, you know, and again, I know you're going to say, well, that almost never happens, but it happens enough where, okay, I watched a role just Chapman almost airmail two of those pitches to the backstop on an intentional walk. Yeah, I kind of got to let, kind of got to keep that in the game. Kind of, you know, you, you got to actually throw the pitch, you know. Uh, or are, uh, you afraid, you know, are you afraid Kelly Leak will be able to step over and hit a home run? Yep, that's exactly, that's exactly <laughs> right. Uh, that, that was the next. That was literally the next thing I was going to say. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, and it's just like, I mean, come on. I mean, when you were when you were twelve years old and you watched that movie, you, didn't you want to be Kelly Leak? You know, well, who didn't? Who didn't? What kid that played baseball didn't? You know? Oh God! I mean, yeah, that's because that's how I bought my first motorcycle and my first pack of Marlboros. I mean, that was, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, I mean, but you've seen Kelly Leak happen in the major leagues. Now, I mean, it doesn't happen often, 
but, you know, for every pitch that Chapman can airmail to the backstop, he accidentally throws one too close to the plate, and bamo, you know. You did Barry like Bonds do that once? Yes, he did. Absolutely he did. And so, you know, okay, if you want to – I'm leaving that in. I'm not comfortable with taking things out of the game of baseball, but I'm more than willing to have a conversation about, okay, you want to speed up the game, you want to change the pace of the game, there's so many other things we can deal with, okay? You know, like – Let's get rid of the Mike Hargrove, Nomar Garciaparra, I gotta fuck with my batting gloves and every piece of my equipment in between every pitch. You know, um, you can get rid of that. You can, um, you can, um, tell me how you feel about this. Tell me how you feel about getting rid of arguments between managers and umpires. Well, I thought that was supposed to happen with instant replay. <laughs> you, mean, okay. you mean that hasn't happened? Well, you know, not with guys like Joe West who start fights with managers. I mean, I don't yeah, know what well, that's... Re- I don't know what that's that's supposed to do, or Phil Cuzzy, or Angel Hernandez, or you know, you know, some of these guys that just you know like to antagonize people. Um, but you know, I'll give you I'll give you that. But on the other hand, I, I like a good Lupinella picking the base up and throwing it out into the outfield once in a while. Oh, my my favorite my favorite was uh, Lloyd McClendon when he emptied the bat rack onto the field. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's you know that's 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 priceless stuff. I also know there's a guy down in the minors that had a classic uh, classic right where he, where he low crawled like a soldier up behind uh, the pitcher's mound, grabs the rosin bag and throws <laughs> it at home plate like it's a grenade. I mean, now that's yeah. that's next level stuff. Um, Okay, well maybe we leave maybe we leave the arguments we we leave the arguments in, but um, pitching changes. Um, we have I mean especially in the National League, and I, I don't know how to do it. I, I I can make arguments for and against, but you know you bring in a guy like I I don't want to see you with the Jesse Roscoe move. You have this eighty year old guy you bring in to strike out one guy, you know right that. Because you, 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 you change pitchers. First of all, you got to wait for some fat old manager to come walking out to the mound, and he gets the ball. And then we wait for the guy to walk off the field, and then we wait for the next guy to come in from the bullpen, and then he gets his eight warm-up tosses. And of because he didn't ball, already warm up in the bullpen for 15 minutes. Exactly. And all <laughs> the while, television loves this, because this is where they're shoehorning in the beer commercials, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, so the people that cry about the pace of baseball, especially the television people, it's like, well, that's where you make your money. You know, you make your money on, oh, it's time for the AT&T call to the pen. Like, oh, like they didn't give you $50 million to say AT&T. You know, stop. Right. You know. And especially, I remember the the last time the Cubs played the Cardinals. I want to say the Cardinals were up by six runs in the night, two outs. Matheny has to come out and make a pitching change. You thought Chris Bryant was going to somehow come up and hit a six-run home run off of this guy? I mean, so what if he does hit a home run? So, oh, it's six to one it with two outs in the ninth? Mm-hmm. You know what? Was that really necessary? You know? And the worst. To me, the all-time worst for that, and this is going back a few years, but uh, um, y'all remember Popeye Don Zimmer, right? Oh, of course. Yeah, a lot. Remember, remember when he was still managing before he got too old for that? He was just, you know, Joe Torre's bench coach. I think it was when he was managing the Rangers, and he was he was an old guy then. But 
you know, you take this guy who's 70 years old, big fat guy like us, you know, got him in a day game in Texas where you can just tell he's just breathing hard just to get up the dugout <laughs> steps. You know, then you know, it takes him 20 minutes to get out to the mound because, you know, the batteries on his hover round ran out, so he's on his walker. And then he gets out there, and, of course, you know, it's Texas in, in July, so the bullpen pitcher, he's got to come in all the way from the outfield. Of course, he's not jogging in 145-degree heat. Right. He's walking, you know. Meanwhile, the fans are melting, you know. Their plastic cups and their beer are sticking to their hands because the, <laughs> the cups are dissolving. And it would literally take five minutes just for a pitching change. And then that guy was Jesse Orozco. He strikes out one guy. We've got to do it all over again. Yeah, of course. Well, you can always bring back the uh, little bullpen carts and drive the pitcher out there. <laughs> <laughs> you mean so, um, ooh. So Jake Taylor can uh, follow his girlfriend around with it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, back to the original point. I see, I see what you're saying. I do, but I, and you were right. I'm going to say I just think that's such a rare occurrence. Uh, you know, the throwing a you know air mailing on the intentional walk or a guy stepping over and actually swinging at it. Like I said, I. I pulled that Barry Bonds thing out of my ass, and I wasn't even sure I was remembering it right. Or not. <laughs> I, I, it, it did maybe, I, maybe I imagined that. Mm. You know, I wasn't. Sure. <laughs> I'm sure he probably would have liked to have done it more times than just one, because I'm sure he got very frustrated with getting walked all the time when he was. But, oh, when uh, I, you know, when I'm watching, when I'm watching the guy get walked with the bases loaded by your very own Joe Madden, you know. Uh, but you can understand why he was doing it. I mean, if you go back and you look at what Barry Bonds was doing in that in that time where he was getting walked all the time, it, right? There'd be the. I mean, how many times you know he's getting one pitch in that at bat when they actually have to pitch to him? You know, he's going to get one pitch to hit. And how many maybe. times he just? Yeah, maybe. And, and but when he did get that pitch, how many times more often than not that he would just rip the shit out of it? You know. Um, so when you have like you know guys like Madden walking him with the you know with the bases loaded, it's like well that's only one instead of four. I'll take that, you know. Right, right. But uh, but again that that comes back to that whole you know that whole you know you gotta you gotta actually play the game. You know you can't just it's not you know you know Nintendo sixty four baseball and you know it's it's not it's not uh, EA Sports whatever what. Well, I don't even know what they call their video game for baseball because I'm not a video game guy. But it is, you know, the, there's a couple <clears throat> ones. The one I like is uh, MLB The Show, but yeah. Oh, so, I mean, with that, with that, I'm just I'm not, I'm not <laughs> in favor. I'm not in favor. If you wanna, if you wanna talk about just about anything else that that speeds up the game, I'm I'm all for it. Um, even though I do. But would you would argument. you say the same thing? Would you say the same thing about the kneel down at the end of a football game? Because I know uh, where you're going to go with that if I say that, because I know you're going to to your boy Herm and uh, the miracle in the Meadowlands. <laughs> well, but <laughs> because is that really that's not really playing the game either, is it? I mean, well, but see that. Wait a minute, you got to you got to remember what happened with with the miracle in the Meadowlands. The miracle of the Meadowlands wasn't a kneel down. No, right. the, that's why they came up with the kneel down to prevent that from happening again. Right. Um. 
yeah, I think I think you actually got to snap the ball, and I think you actually got to do the stuff. I mean, we we don't play the games on paper. You actually got to pull this off. Now, is it a rudimentary fundamental skill that's completely boring to watch? Yeah, but so's a free throw, you know. So you can't just say, "Oh, foul the guy, give him two points." No, it doesn't work that way. You got to make the shot. Right. Got to make the kneel down. Got to throw. Got to throw the four pitches. That's why we play the games. It's to, to bring this back to her. Hello, you play to win the game. You know, but, oh, but but I guess then the kneel down. Okay, the quarterback. Yeah, you snap the ball, and the quarterback just goes back and kneels on it. Nobody touches him. He's just. I mean, they just consider him to be down. I mean, like you can just down yourself. Yeah, it's called the rule is called surrendering as a runner, and 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 you know. They're never going to let you get rid of that because, you know, if you want somebody to touch the quarterback to make sure he's down, then, you know, what's going to happen is what, you know, happened Greg in Shiano. that. Greg Schiano. Greg <laughs> Schiano, yep. I took the words right out of my mouth. It was like, you know, somebody's going to somebody's gonna bull rush your quarterback, and then all of a sudden, you know, we're going to have, a, you know, an Indomitian Kong Sioux brawl on our hands. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, oh, speaking of which, just as a complete aside, I really can't wait for – Richie Incognito and Ndamukong Sue to face off with each other when the Bills play the Dolphins. I think that's a matchup everybody should be watching come the NFL yeah. regular season. That could be tons of fun. Yeah. So, yeah. Two of the greatest players in the history of the game. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, you know, I mean, because Richie Incognito, I heard him on a podcast the other day, and, you know, God bless him. I mean, he's. He's kind of got a Rowdy Roddy Piper sort of thing to him. Like, you know, I mean, he was he was very deferential and very soft-spoken about the whole bullying thing that happened in, with Miami, which is a whole other topic. But then all of a sudden, he's talking smack to guys again, like, you know, just like I'm Roddy back, used to do. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I was waiting for him to show up in a kilt with a set of bagpipes and, uh, <laughs> You know, and of course that's that's my you know reference. I mean, we lost Rowdy Roddy not too long ago, and and that's just a, a damn shame. He was he was way too young. He, his his podcast Piper's Pit was probably one of the best ones out there, at least for me. That you know, I couldn't get enough of listening to him talk about those old the old wrestlers, like the episode where he's talking about Jake the Snake Roberts and how Jake the Snake was actually really terrified of snakes and, you know, hated <laughs> the fact that he always had to deal with them. And there's this, he tells this story about, you know, apparently Jake liked uh, liked his recreational chemicals, if you know what I mean. And uh, came, I have heard that. <laughs> yeah, came into a situation where, you know, apparently he's got to make an appearance with a gigantic boa constrictor, and nobody's bothered to tell him this. And so he walks into this room. The first thing he sees is this giant snake. He flips out, goes out to his car, comes back with a three fifty seven Magnum. <laughs> you can either get rid of that snake, or I'm going to put a tunnel through it right here. <laughs> and like, you can't make stories like that up. I mean, no, those are great. Uh, so, that was a that was a that was a, a, a kick to the gut for me when he passed away a couple of weeks ago too because I grew up I had the hot rod T-shirt my uh, when I was younger my my grandpa you know because I didn't have a 
couldn't just go on the internet in those days and buy one. You had to send away for it. So I used to buy the uh, then WWF magazine. They had a little oh yeah. Ca- they had a little catalog in there, and they had you know the Hulk Hogan shirts, and they had you know guys had different stuff. Uh, not like today where everybody's got one, but they had the Hot Rod shirt in there, and my grandma wrote me wrote a check for me, and I gave her the money and sent away, and I got my Hot Rod T-shirt, and I used to wear that with pride. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember because he developed the Rowdy Roddy character when he was wrestling in Los Angeles, and that was when everybody had their own little kind of regional wrestling thing. There was AWA wrestling in Minnesota. There was yep. uh, there was Mid South in Memphis. There was Georgia Championship wrestling. Yeah. So you know there was this group that was in California, and you know Rowdy was was the bad guy. And a lot of the wrestling crowd, a lot of the wrestling fans in Los Angeles, this is the old Olympic Arena downtown, like the uh, heart of Skid Row. It's where they also used to do all the roller derby stuff, if you remember that from I the did. 80s on ESPN. Yeah, that same place. Well, that's where the wrestling was. And large part of the fan base was Mexican. And, and Rowdy Piper used to used to just antagonize the Mexican fan base. I mean, he his act was part was part wrestler and part Don Rickles. Some of the funny <laughs> shit he would say, you know, and it was so, I mean, you, you'd never get away with it today because it was so clearly racist, but he was doing oh, wow. it to, 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 you know, you know, antagonize the crowd. And then the, the peace day resistance is the time he's going to make amends to the Mexican fans because he's going to play the Mexican national anthem on his bagpipes, gets in the ring, and plays this really satirical version of La Cucaracha, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, you can't top that. I, I don't know how you, how you, he's, a, he, he's another next level guy, is what yeah. we we're talking about. So, yeah, yeah I'm he, was with, pi- he was a pioneer. Yeah, and then, like you said, you know, there's 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 a tribute to him of, uh, over on uh, Dubsism, you, you can't miss it. Just, you know, uh, type Roddy Piper, and yeah, you, you'll see it right it. away. And uh, you, yeah. you check that out. And with that, I, you know, you know, we, there's a lot of things in sports we should lose. I, uh, <laughs> Rowdy Roddy wasn't one of them. I, you know, we lost him, and we got all this other crap we've been yelling about. That's that's just not right. And so... That's uh, a true statement there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Piper, like I said, he was my favorite. I always, when I was younger, I was much more into wrestling, and I always gravitated towards the bad guys for some reason. I, well, not for some reason. It's because they were more interesting. They were funny. You know, they weren't boring, and you know, it was just, you know, a lot more fun to me to to be the bad guy. Oh, yeah, I mean, where, you know, Piper's <laughs> Pit, where, you know, he elevates the art of the wrestling interview. You know, at the time he smashed a coconut over Jimmy Superfly's uh, head, you know? I mean, come on! You're telling me, okay, and you and I are roughly the same age. You're a 14-year-old kid into, into, into wrestling. you telling me that's not awesome. That was awesome. Yeah. You know, I saw, I saw one of those, too. He used to... When they first started putting out, and this was on VHS tapes, they had the best of Rowdy Roddy Piper. And that's before, I think, in pre-internet, before you could see all this stuff. And he had some guy on there. In the wrestling business, they call them jobbers. They're the guys that always lose. They don't have a gimmick. They're just, you know. And this guy's name was Frank Williams. I remember he had him out there, and he had him as a guest. 
And it was like, why are you having this guy out here, you know? And he he just sat there and just completely, you know, berated this guy, but not like getting in his face and berating them, you know? It was just kind of comments here and a throwaway there. And, I mean, it was classic. It was just so funny. Yeah, it, you know, it, 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 you said it's it's classic stuff. He was a pioneer. He was a next level guy. Even even after the wrestling, I I, I thought his podcasts were um, something really special. And yeah, we lost we lost something we really really shouldn't have lost there. So uh, with that, I think this is uh, the part where we can uh, wrap this conversation up. We've discussed things that have jumped the shark, needed to go away. We ended up with an impromptu uh, remembrance of the greatness that was one Roderick George Toombs uh, aka Rowdy Roddy Piper uh, any other final thoughts Jason or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this thing to a close no I guess we'll uh, agree to disagree about the intentional walk thing other than that I think we, uh, I think we covered it and I think, I think I can see I can see a future podcast where we're, we're going to have to talk a little bit more about 80s wrestling because that I think that conversation was getting ready to mushroom but uh I would definitely be down for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, with that, uh latest episode of Radio J Dub goes uh, goes up for syndication here shortly. Uh like I said, we don't do these podcasts live. There's a whole process involved. Uh hopefully we don't have any more syndication issues like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, but uh check us out, dubsism.wordpress.com. We're at dubsism on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Pinterest, we're all kinds of places. Oh, and by the way, I don't want to let this go without a mention. Uh Jason from Indiana, now no longer just on podcast. You just published your first bit for us this week, didn't you? I did. And uh, give us give us a quick rundown of what it's about. Uh, it was it's it's going back and uh, covering the Chris Mortensen debacle that started the debacle that uh, that <laughs> is Deflategate. Uh, it's most mostly focusing on on his misreporting and then lack of correction of his misreporting, but it goes a little bit more in depth than that. You should read it. I I I'm proud of it. It's my first attempt. Uh, hopefully everybody will enjoy it. Yeah, it's a good read. Check it out. Uh, Jason raises a couple of really interesting points that, of course, the omnidirectional sludge pump that is ESPN won't won't mention. So, um, yeah, check it out. Um, Jason, you'll uh, eventually be back on the podcast. You're becoming a, a regular feature here, which, like I said, means you probably don't have a wife. But, you know, that's, that's what we do here at Radio J-Dub. So... With that, until we get uh, we get back together next time, enjoy your podcasting, enjoy your sports weekend viewing, and we will be back with you soon. R.I.P. Rowdy Rowdy, we hardly knew you.
moment that we have left, we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. Let me be your heart. Let me.